Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Pray with me. Lord, I pray for our media. I pray for our hearts that we could have open hearts and that your Word would speak through. Jesus, in your name, amen. So I want to talk a little bit about Mary here, and you read in Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, the city, sorry, sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So, you know, I was sitting with this for a while, and I, I started thinking, you know what, we read about angels... But most of us have never really experienced them. But I think they're, they're around. I think they're doing God's bidding and God's will here. But a lot of times we don't experience them. But I had to say that I think one time in my life I did. And it was this really strange situation. So we were, I was in England. And our mode of transportation were bicycles. And I was riding down a street um, and, and in England, you just, I just would say to myself, I'm a car, right? I'm a car. And you'd go in these roundabouts, and you'd have to merge in, and you'd just, no, I'm a car, you know? And uh, there was this one time where I'm pedaling, and there's a bus behind me. Now, I'm not cognizant of a bus being behind me, but I somehow kind of jump my bike up onto the curb and stop. And this bus goes by, and the bus, it's it's overlapping the curb and you're like you're there and you and you're like i'm like what just happened like you're there and the bus goes by and you're like and you're disoriented i'm like i i think i think i was just rescued right and you go on with your life and you scratch your head i think somehow an angel protected me from being crushed by that bus that day that's all i can say Angels happen. We don't always get to see their, their ministry, their service, but they do happen. And did you ever wonder this? So God sends an angel to tell Mary that he's coming to, to have Jesus born in her womb. Why not come yourself? I mean, it comes later to Mary. Why not go yourself the first time? Why send an angel? Isn't it interesting? Like, what, God, what? You're going to meet with her. Why not? Like, and, and I think God likes to use means. God likes to use means. He, he, he delights in it. I mean, why use water in baptism? Because God delights in it. Why wine and bread? Because God delights to communicate and use means. And why you? Why me? Because, you know, God could be like, hey, I'm going to communicate directly to everybody. But he's like, no, I'm going to use Betty today, right? Like he, he sends angels and he sends us. Gretchen and I uh, sometimes read this one devotion, uh, the first 15. And uh, in it, they said this, God longs to use you because he loves you. He's not selfish. He doesn't need your help. He wants to work with you. He, he wants your life to matter. And now he starts meddling in these next lines here. He wants you to stop segregating your life into God time and me time and to start living in continual communion with him. 
He, he wants your time at work, with friends, at church, driving, resting, relaxing, having fun, to be filled with the fullness of life that comes from doing life with him. Is that not beautiful? Is that, so what is he saying? He's saying it's so easy to kind of segregate our lives. And it's like God time and me time. And he's saying God wants to use you all the time. Like, like all the time. And you know what keeps us from it? I, I went, years ago, I, I saw I wanted to give my life to Jesus. I wanted to follow Jesus. I wanted to be used by him. But I said, Lord, you're a bit of a cosmic killjoy. And if I do surrender, my life won't be fun, right? So I had God time and fun time. And the truth of the matter is, is following Jesus is the most fulfilling life that he has. Like, he, he knows how we were created. And, and then I think other people say, well, how could God use me after all the things I've done, after who I've been? And God can't use me. And yet, that's what God's all about. I like what this one author said, Chad Bird. He goes, you know, the most unimpressive our jobs are, the more lackluster our bio the more we feel like we're just a name on a list or a face in the crowd, the more we're a perfect venues for God's ongoing work in this world. Isn't that interesting? So the, the nobodies are God's people. He says the scriptures are packed with illustrations of this tendency. To begin with, God goes out of his way to handpick the wrong people for the most important missions. Need someone to lead the emancipation of the slaves from the most powerful nation on earth as well as serve as a spokesman for these oppressed people? Rather than choosing the ancient equivalent of Navy SEAL or a quick-tongued Secretary of State, God handpicks a stuttering 80-year-old shepherd named Moses who has been on the lamb for 40 years after beating a man to death. Book after book from Genesis to Revelation, the Lord demonstrates that he shuns the tried and true methods of the orthodox headhunter. It's like people looking for jobs. Isn't that, isn't that how God is? Isn't that what he's doing when he picks Mary? And if he picks Mary, he, he picks us, doesn't he? And the scripture goes on. It says, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. This is the angel talking. The Lord is with you. But she's greatly troubled at this saying. And she tries to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You, you know, God hand-picked her. Can you imagine all the Jewish women uh, out of, you know, all the world at that time, and God's like, Mary's the one. And she's a nobody. She's young. She's from a poor family. And she's a nobody, but God hand-picks her. So this week, I was going through this box, and I'm like, oh, what's in this envelope? And like, I open it, and it's my baptism doily. And I'm like, wow, I was 30 days old when this wiped the water from my forehead. And I thought, Lord, you knew 30 days old when I was baptized what you would want me to do in my life. And the same with you. That God knows it. And he handpicks us just like he handpicks Mary. And, and what does this mean? I like what Tim Keller says about this kind of hand-picking thing. He says, Christmas is telling us you can never get to heaven. Heaven had to come to you. 
You think about this. Christmas is telling us you could never get to heaven. Heaven had to come to you. People who are saved are not those who have arisen through their abilities that they have and have been everything God always wanted them to be. Of course not. Salvation comes to those who are willing to admit how weak they are. It's the Marys of the world, isn't it? It's the little babies that God handpicks and says, you're mine. I was thinking about this because I, I heard that C.S. Lewis's last interview before he died in 1963 was given to Decision Magazine. I think this was a Billy Graham magazine. And um, Decision Magazine is named after making a decision, right, for Christ. And it was kind of fascinating because I read the interview and... and Decision Magazine really wants uh, C.S. Lewis to talk about his decision. L listen up. So the question posed is this. In your book, Surprised by Joy, the interviewer is asking, uh, you remark that you were brought into faith kicking and struggling and resentful with eyes darting in every direction looking for an escape. You suggest that you were compelled, as it were, to become a Christian do you feel that you made a decision at the time of your conversion? Look how he asked, how he answers Decision Magazine. I would not put it that way. What I wrote in Surprised by Joy was that before God closed in on me, I was offered what appears at the moment a wholly free choice. But I feel my decision was not so important. I was the object rather than the subject of the affair. I was decided upon. I was glad afterwards at the way it came out, but at the moment, what I heard was God saying, put your gun, put down your gun and we'll talk. Like, stop fighting me. Isn't that interesting? So we ask him, did you make a decision? He goes, nah, I wouldn't put it that way. Look what his next thing is. That sounds to me as if you came to a very definite point of decision. <laughs> He's like, C.S. Lewis is hilarious. Yeah, well, I would say that most of our deeply compelled actions are also our freest actions. But by that, I mean no part of you is outside the action. It's a paradox I expressed in Surprised by Joy by saying that I chose, yet it really didn't seem possible to do the opposite. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, I decided for Jesus. But then you look back and you're like, Look what God did. Look how he cornered me. Look how he brought me in. Look how he moved, right? right? And here's Mary. Did she make a decision? No, God's like, you're mine, right? And her, yeah, she said, be it done to me according to your will, right? She, she surrendered. She submitted. But God is the one who decided on her, and God is the one who decides on you. It's beautiful. I, I, I've been thinking still about uh, my Thanksgiving Eve Service and I don't know how many people uh, heard it, but that you'll rehear it. This one little point right now, because I, I've been thinking about it. I also used it as a devotion for something I did this week. There's this one section in Psalm 23 that goes this way: "He restoreth my soul." You remember that? "He restoreth my soul." The Hebrew word, the two words here to restore is to turn back, return. You could almost say repent. And then the soul, the word is nephish, and it could be translated soul or life or living being. You return my life. 
You, re- you turn me around. You, you give me my life back. And what has been so uh, stuck in my head was this news article. And this is truly an article that was published, and it's basically saying these sheep are not for Facebook pictures if you see them upside down. Their life is in danger. So the sheep get pregnant, and they get a lot of wool, and they somehow flip over, and they can't get up. And if left there, they will die. So here the guy writing Psalm 23 says, you take me as a sheep, laying on my back, helpless, dying, and you write me, you restore me, you set me back. Is that not a beautiful picture of what Christ has done in our lives? We're all like, ah, and he's... And he comes and he writes us. Look at it. Do not ignore sheep stuck on its back. Its life could be in danger, right? They're not sleeping. Isn't it? It's a fascinating article. Sheep falling on their back happens a lot at this time of year and can be fatal. Sharing a picture of a sheep on its back, um, whatever they said on Facebook, this is not a sheep resting. Because they're getting pictures and people are taking, and they're basically dying sheep. So they said, how to, they, to, they told you how to write them, and then they said, but don't write it, go tell the shepherd, right? Uh, but isn't it, it's, this is me, this is you. you. You, Lord, handpicked me, and you repented me. You worked that way in my life. And that's grace, isn't it? How do you respond to grace? How, how do you respond to grace in, in your life? How do you do it? He says to Mary, you are a favored one, highly favored. Mary is truly favored. Come on, nobody else was the mother of Jesus, hands down, right? Mary is favored. She is blessed. But who lives in your heart? The Bible says Christ dwells in our heart through faith, right? The, The same power that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to your mortal body. The Lord lives inside of us. Whose phone is going off? Gosh. Who's that be? All right. Uh, The Lord lives inside of us. And I think about this hymn that's sung at this time of the year. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. I'm a favored one. And you know what gets me? When I start thinking about these, this next set of words, he's like, the Lord's with you. When I think about God with me, I relax. It, it, it's like what happens when I hug my wife and, and oxytocin is released and my body just relaxes. Because you know, he's got my back. All the things I'm fretting about, all the things I'm worrying about, all the things I got to get done when your to-do list is bigger than what, you know. It's like, Lord, you have my back. You're with me. You're with us. You're here now. I remember Moses' prayer. Lord, if you don't go with me, don't send us out. We need your presence. And God said, look, I'm with you to the ends of the age. How often do you receive the grace of these words? I am with you. When you're lonely and when you're busy, he's with you. He's with you. And, and you know, you'll see grace in 
all over the place when you start getting to it. I have some movie clips because of the technology. You're not going to be able to see them. I'm sorry. But how many have seen White Christmas? So, okay, one of my favorite Christmas movies I, I watch typically every year. And, and in White Christmas, I'll ruin it, but it's been around a long time, so it deserves to be ruined for you guys. In White Christmas, um, you've got, it starts with a war scene, and then you have these two guys who become like very popular singers of their time. And, and they, um, they discover through a series of events that their old general is, uh, has an inn up in Vermont. And he's run into hard times. There isn't snow in Vermont. He's dumped his whole life savings into this inn. He's working really hard, and it looks like it's going to fold. And so they go on television, and they invite all the soldiers in the area to come. And they, they all gather, and they surprise him by their presence, and they swell the attendance at the inn, and the dollars flow. And there's a scene where... They uh, open up the curtain, and all the guys are singing, we'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go, you know, and, and it's, it's this beautiful scene of love poured out, and they say it because we love him, we love him, you know, and, and when I watch it, I get goosebumps, and I'm like, they're sacrificing of their time and of their energy, and I think it rings two bells. It rings the family reunion bell in us where we long for this, this community that, that we'll have in heaven. And it also rings this sacrificial giving of love. You know, I was with my brother for many hours on the plane and at airports and also driving. And he uh, binge-watched Lost in Space, season three, for you sci-fi geeks out there on Netflix. And, you know, he said to me when he's done, he's like, best season so far. So I might have binge watched it too then. Um, and it was. And, and you know why? Because if you watch it, you'll see sacrifice. You'll see death and resurrection. And, and a lot of times when movies flirt with gospel themes, you're like, wow. And the world doesn't know. You're like, oh, they, they have death and, and resurrection and sacrificial giving. Your, and, it, and it touches us. The gospel's everywhere. And it's everywhere at this season. You just have to have eyes to see it. Well, the angel says to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And look, you'll conceive and in your womb you'll bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So the angel comes to Mary, don't be afraid, and describes the baby in her womb. He'll be great, Son of the Most High, a, a throne of the father David, uh, uh, of the house of Jacob and his kingdom will have no end. This is mind-blowing. I mean, you got to think about this. God, in God, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who ordered chaos becomes a single-cell organism. No wonder people don't believe in Christianity. Right? I mean, this is, it's crazy to think about it. Uh, Tim Keller says this. He goes, the infinite became finite. The immortal became mortal. The creator of the universe became a single cell. 
The supernatural became natural. The metaphysical became physical. The invulnerable became vulnerable. The holy became huggable. The impossible became possible. I mean, think about what happened in the incarnation. That somehow, God became flesh. Talk about humility. When somebody snubs you, what do you want to do? Fight back, right? You know what helps me? Helps me humble myself when I think about a God. I'm like, Lord, if you humbled yourself to become a baby, and not just a baby, but you lived this perfect life and then died on the cross, that's utter humiliation, forsaken by the Father. I'm like, Lord, if you did that, by your grace, I can take the lower step. I can humble myself. I can ask for forgiveness. I, I, can, I can seek to serve. I can give because you gave. Do you, do you see that? When, when we grasp what God did for us, it changes us. Like it's, Christianity should never produce pride. It should produce humility because that's the God that we serve. And then the Bible says they lived happily ever after the end, right? But wouldn't you think, like, if you were writing the story, wouldn't you do that? Right? Baby, Jesus, Lord, Lord of all, King of the universe, right? Come on, if, if you gave your child to someone else, wouldn't you write happily ever after the end on that, right? Here, take my child, and I have power to actually make you have the most beautiful life ever, and that's what I'm going to do. But that wasn't what happened to Mary, was it? So Mary was blessed beyond blessing, but you want to know what her name means? Now, some say it means beloved, but I think it comes from the Hebrew word mara, which means bitter. And Mary, it says in the scripture, she, all generations will call her blessed, and she is. But she, was, she, she gave birth in a stable. Do you ever like meet a homeless guy and they smell? I have a friend who wrote like how to, I think he wrote how to hug a homeless guy or a smelly guy or whatever. Like, what do you think about Mary and Joseph? They come out of the stable, they're walking around town. What do you live in a barn, right? Well, yeah, we do live in a barn right now. You know, like, like you smell like animals. Born in a stable. How about, how does, what does it feel like to be hunted by the, by the king? They were, they were born to be hunted. They were born to be exiled, right? They had to leave their own land, their own country, and go someplace else. And then mom, Mary, wondered about Jesus' sanity. And then she, I can see her kneeling, whether she was or not, I don't know, but I could see her before the cross watching her son miraculously conceived die a horrible death. It wasn't happily ever after. And I started thinking about like the times in our lives where, whoops, where, we, where we just are confused and we don't know what to do and, and we go through struggles. I have this uh, video I watched this morning and it's of, of a house in Kentucky and the guy is like walking through the house, and then you start hearing uh, one of the Gaither songs 
about uh, the one that goes, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. And, it, and, and all of a sudden, you see this destruction, and then you see a guy at a piano playing that song, and it pans up, and the house has no roof, and it pans over, and there's all this destruction, and in the midst of it, the, the owner of the house is like, Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. And, and it, many times we are like Mary and we go through these really perplexing times. I have a picture of Pittsburgh up there because Gretchen and I years ago said we'll never live in Pittsburgh. And where do we end up living? The place we set. I said, honey, we're not saying never again, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And, and I'll never have a million dollars. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, like we... And, and yet, God blessed it and used the times. And if you look at times in your life where you're like, this stinks, this is hard, I don't like this, you're not always given the answer, but God uses that. And you may meet somebody down the road and go, I know, but I went through something similar. And you can give comfort that you got from God to them in that really horrible time. And here's Mary. She's able to be used because of her suffering. And, and we know that she is blessed because the worst thing that happened to Jesus happened to him, and yet it turned out for our good. And he rose from the grave, and things have never been the same. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your grace and your life and all that you give us. Father, I, there may be people listening or online or here who are going through really difficult times and they're perplexed and they just need to be reminded that you're with them, that you handpick them just like you handpicked Mary. And although it's not always happily ever after, ultimately, ultimately, the worst things that happen in this life will seem just like a bad dream someday when we are with you, reigning with you in heaven. And for that, we say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.